Well, good morning, Harvest. Happy Thanksgiving. Good morning, Harvest. There it is. Happy Thanksgiving. There we go. All right. Well, it's good to see you guys. Uh, I had the privilege of going back home to New York for Thanksgiving, but I'll tell you what, I'm glad to be up here, able to open up the Word to you guys as we uh, dive into Jesus' words. Uh, Why don't you guys open up to uh, Matthew chapter 6, and uh, we're continuing our series uh, on Jesus' words on money. Um, So as you're opening up to Matthew chapter 6, I just want to say this, there's, there's more than there's always two ways to do something, right? There's, there's the right way, and then there's the wrong way, right? Uh, anybody fry turkey for Thanksgiving? Anybody do the frying method? Yeah, there's a right way to fry it, and then there's the burn your house down, fry it, right? That's the wrong way, yeah. I had to learn quickly coming to Chicago, there's a right way to eat a Chicago hot dog, and there's a wrong way. No catch up. There you go. Yeah, I, I had to learn that one the hard way. There's a right way to cheer at a Cubs-Sox game, and there's a wrong way. Southside! Southside! Alright, anyway. Um, yeah, there's a right way and a wrong way to do things, right? And we can go on and on and on about, about the right way and the wrong way to do stuff. Uh, but uh, Jesus here in Matthew chapter 6 is going to teach us about the wrong way and the right way to think about and to give to the needy. Uh, as, we're, as we're in the midst of the Going Boldly series, to boldly go, talking about the words of Christ, we're talking about Jesus' words on money, Jesus' thoughts on money. Uh, Pastor Ryan last week talked about laying up treasures in heaven instead of treasures on earth, and this week we're talking about giving to the needy. So why don't you join me in prayer as we launch in to see what God has to say. Father, we thank you so much for this morning. We thank you, God, that you've given us an opportunity to open up your word. We thank you, Lord, that uh, your Holy Spirit desires to uh, teach us and, uh, uh, and equip us to know how you want us to give as disciples of Jesus Christ. And so, Father, I pray that you would give us open hearts and open ears and open eyes to hear what you have to say to us this morning. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, Matthew chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. I'm going to read this all out, and we're going to go back and look at it bit by bit here. Here's what it says. He says, Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your, your giving may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. So this is in the middle of, of the Sermon on the Mount, and it's uh, Jesus' instructions about what it means to be living as somebody who's in the kingdom of God. What it means to be living as somebody who's following after Jesus Christ. And he starts this, uh, this, this series of teaching with a warning. He says, hey, watch out. Hello, look out. There's a gigantic hole right in front of you that I don't want you to fall into. It's filled with people and I don't want you to be in there with them. Right here is not where you want to be. So he says, beware, watch out, look around you. People have already stepped in here. Don't step in it. He's starting off with a warning. And what's the warning? Beware of practicing your righteousness 
uh, before other people in order to be seen by them. And so he's going to launch into this teaching series on, on practicing righteousness. And he chooses three sections to talk about. He talks about prayer, he talks about fasting, and he talks about giving to the needy. And, and in, in all three of these sections, he basically says the same thing. He basically says, do this not in a way that you're going to be seen purposely by other people so that they give their approval to you. And so this morning, we're going to be talking about giving to the needy. That's the, the area of righteousness that Jesus is talking about. And so look at verse 2. He says, thus, when you give to the needy. Okay, so we're going to stop right there. Before we even talk about how we give to the needy and in what way we get to give to the needy and our motives of giving to the needy, we've got to talk about this one thing. Give to the needy. You can write that down in your notes. First point, give to the needy. Now there's a, uh, a well-orchestrated uh, uh, Greek uh, term here, phraseology. He says this, thus when you give to the needy, and when you look at that, when it says when, what it's assuming is, duh, you should already be giving to the needy. Jesus is assuming here that we are giving to the needy. So it's like, Hey, I know that you're already doing this, so when you do it, and he's going to instruct us how to do it. So Jesus is already coming with this presupposition that we are already giving to the needy. Duh, it's something that we should be doing. But why? Why? Well, first you can write this down in your notes. God loves the needy. God loves the needy. So give it to the needy. Why? Because God loves the needy. Uh, Take a look at Leviticus chapter 19, verse 9. Uh, and we have it uh, written up here on the, on, the, uh, on the screen for you. Leviticus chapter 19, verses 9 and 10, and it says this. It says, When you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not reap your field right up to its edge, neither shall you gather the gleanings after your harvest. And you shall not strip your vineyard bare, neither shall you gather the fallen grapes in your vineyard. You shall leave them for the poor and for the sojourner. I am the Lord your God. So this is found in the law. It's found in God's instructions on, on what it means to be a part of the, the community, the covenant community of, of Israel. And he's given them instructions about how they go and harvest their crops. And he's basically telling them when stuff falls to the ground, whether it's wheat or grapes or whatever it is, when it falls to the ground, don't pick it up. Leave it. Not for the birds, not for the animals, but for the poor. God is saying, you have, they don't. You have, and so all that you just gathered, take it with you. But everything that was left behind, leave it. That's going to be for the poor. And the poor had the rights to go into any vineyard, to go into any field, and pick up what was left. That was God's provision for the poor. And so God had it set in His law that the poor were going to be provided for. And we learn this, uh, what we learn here is that God's heart is for the poor. God loves the poor. If you read through the Old Testament, there's stories of judgment on kings who oppress the poor. And there's stories of blessings on individuals who love the poor and who give to the poor. The poor and the needy are close to God's heart. And quite frankly, you and I ought to be very, very thankful for this. Because in a spiritual sense, each and every one of us in this room was poor and needy at one point. Before Christ, we were poor and needy and hell-bound. And without the giving, generous nature of our Father, 
we would be damned to hell forever. But what did he do? When we were still sinners, he gave his one and only son. Right? He gave his son so that we might have eternal life. And so we at one point were poor. We at one point were needy. But God took care of that need and he gave us his son, Jesus Christ. And so his heart for the poor is a direct reflection of the gospel. Okay, so, so we learn here that Jesus is saying, when you give to the needy, okay, so I need to be giving to the needy, but why? Well, because God loves the needy, but why else? Well, your second point that you can jot down in your notes here is this, is that God is pleased when we give to the needy. God is pleased when we give to the needy. So I should give to the needy because God is pleased when we give to the needy. Listen to Proverbs chapter 22, verse 9. It says this. It says, The generous themselves will themselves be blessed, for they share their food with the poor. And likewise, in Proverbs chapter 19, verse 17, it says, Whoever is generous to the poor lends to the Lord, and he will repay him for his deed. I want to read that one again. Proverbs 19, 17. Whoever is generous to the poor lends to who? He lends to who? The Lord. the Lord. And he will repay him for his deed. So let that one sink in for a moment. When you buy a sandwich for somebody that doesn't have any food, or whether it's a homeless man or it's somebody down the street that you know, when you buy them food, you are lending to the Lord. When you write your monthly check to World Vision or to Compassion International or to any charity that, that you give to, you are not only providing a need through, through generosity because of the generosity that God's given to you, but you are lending to the Lord. Doesn't that start to kind of change the way that you look at the poor and the needy? I know that sometimes we can maybe judge the poor and judge the needy. Oh, they're lazy. Oh, they did this. Oh, they did that. Well, we don't know that. All we know is that they're poor and they're needy, and I have, and I need to give. And when I give, I'm lending to the Lord. And he says lending, and the Lord is good on his return. It says that he will repay him for his deed. Now let me ask you, who do you want to trust with the return on your investment, Wall Street or Jesus? Wall Street or Jesus? Crashing like crazy, eternal forever. Mm, I'll take Jesus. Right? Take Jesus. The return on that investment is a hundredfold than what we can get on Wall Street. But the, the, the fact is that when we look at the poor, we ought not just to see that needy person that stands before us, but we should see the Lord himself and that when we give, that we are lending to him. Okay, so we give to the poor because God loves the needy. We give to the needy because God's pleased when I give to them. But also this, there's, a, there's, a, there's this underlining, underlying understanding that, and you can write this down in your notes as well, that God expects us to give to the needy. God, plain and simple, God expects us to give to the needy. We see it through the Old Testament commanded like, like we just saw. We see it reiterated in the New Testament all over the place. And we see that this is exactly what God wants to do. And in Jesus' culture, so imagine this. He's looking out on, on the sheep, uh, on his people, who are being led by these false shepherds, right? And he's looking out on them. And they're being taught uh, in their, in their, their uh, 
Judaic tradition that, that there's a hierarchy of righteousness, okay? There's a hierarchy of obeying God's commands. And so in this hierarchy that, that, they, were, they, that they would have heard about, that Jesus was telling them about, the number one priority that we had before the Lord is to meditate on the Word of God. So that's what the rabbis would teach. You had to meditate on the Word of God. That was the, the number one mode of righteousness. And I think that we could all agree that's very, very, very important. But the number two thing in Jesus' day that they would have heard when they heard this, the number two thing after meditating on the Word of God was giving to the needy. That was the second most important thing in the Jewish culture of Jesus' day. And so Jesus, as a rabbi, was speaking very plainly, very boldly, God wants you to give to the poor. God has commanded you to uh, to give to the poor, and God expects you to give to the poor. And it's not something we should do begrudgingly, but again, it's something that's done out of a heart of thanks, right? God poured out his generous blessings upon us because we were needy. And now we, in turn, pour out generous blessings on the needy because God poured them out on us. And so, so before we even go any further, we just got to ask the question, are you giving to the needy? Are you currently, right now, giving to the needy? Do you have something set aside uh, you know, in a planned way and do you give sporadically to the needy? Right? The, the man holding a sign on, on, on Harlem, veteran, homeless, hungry, what do you think about him? Do you ever give to him? Do you ever help him out? Do you ever buy him a cup of coffee, a bottle of water, sandwich, some cash? Do you ever help him out? How about uh, the, 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 you know, the children that you see that are needing coat, uh, in need of coats in the wintertime? Right? You see that? You see the box there? You ever bought a coat? You know? Uh, and these are, these are just things that, that, uh, that, that I was thinking about. Uh, the storm-ravaged people of the Philippines, when you see those, uh, those, those images come across your mind, you see the needy right there. What do you do? What do you do? Are you giving to the needy? Is God using you to meet the needs of those around you? And just for a moment, I, I want to share with you guys uh, something that's, uh, that, that's really neat that the Harvest Bible Fellowship is doing. Um, and it's called Harvest Gives. And uh, Joel, could you put this up on the screen for me, brother? It's called Harvest Gives. Now, as you know, uh, the Harvest Bible Fellowship is a church planting movement, right? We were planted four years ago here in the Payless area. And, uh, and there are Harvest Bible chapels all around the world. Uh, they're in India, and they're in Nepal, uh, and, uh, and they're, they're in Africa. And we have uh, over 70 right here in the United States. Um, and so we're doing this thing this year called uh, Harvest Gives. And you can go to the website harvestbiblefellowship.org. Uh, and, uh, and w- what they have is they have a, a, a gift catalog right there. And you can see the needs that are around the world in our fellowship, in the church, uh, and just in, in general uh, for things that, that God can use you for to give to the needy. So let me just read a couple of these for you. How about this? A hundred bucks to give a bike to a pastor so he can go and tell the gospel to people. Or even better, $2,000 for a motorbike or $20,000 for a pickup truck or a van uh, so that he can go and bring the gospel to people who have never heard. How about this? How about uh, uh, $50 to provide a, 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 a medical appointment, whether it's for a doctor or for a dentist uh, in an area where, where medical supplies are, are, uh, are scarce? How about this? $100 will provide education for a pastor for one year so that he can be better equipped uh, to, to uh, divide rightly the Word of God uh, to his people, right? Or how about this? $100 for one month of food and water for a family of four. 
Right? You can give to the needy right here, right through our fellowship uh, right now. Uh, and this isn't just a, a Christmas thing. It's an opportunity right here at Christmas. Uh, but this is, this is an opportunity for you to give, for, for you to see the needs uh, that are out there and to give. So I want to remind that, uh, I want to bring it to you guys' attention. HarvestBibleFellowship.org. You can find out more, uh, more details on that. All right, so God expects us to give to the needy. Uh, God uh, loves it when we give to the needy. God is pleased when we give to the needy. Right? So now we got that. Let's see how Jesus teaches us on how we should and should not be given to the needy. Take a look in, in the word. Verse 2. Thus when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be pleased, praised by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their Reward. So I, I want you to see this. Look, look at look at uh, at verse two. What's the what is the um, the reason that they are blowing the trumpets? What's the reason why they are giving? To be praised by others. And look back up at verse one. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people. Why? In order to be seen by them. So Jesus is shooting at motive. He's shooting at motive. And what's the motive he's shooting at? Well, here you go. You can jot this down in your notes. Number two, do not give in order to be seen. Do not give in order to be seen. The Jews in Jesus' day were not being led very well. They were being led by the Pharisees whose lives were dominated by the greatest enemy of true religion, and that's hypocrisy. They were being led by hypocrites. They were being led by people who did all their works of righteousness for one reason, in order to be seen. And you can define hypocrisy like this. You can jot this down in your notes. Hypocrisy is living out what God commands for the purpose of looking good before man. Hypocrisy is living out what God commands for the purpose of looking good before man. So Jesus was reiterating the fact. He was saying, look, God gave us the word. God told us how to live. God has told, the Father has, has given us instructions of what to do. But he's saying, when you go and live this out, don't live it out for the purpose of being seen. Because if you do that, you are what's called a hypocrite. You are somebody who is, is living outwardly what God has commanded, but your inner desires, your inner heart, wants nothing to do with the heart of God because you want it all about you. That's what hypocrisy is. It's all about you. You want people to look at you. You want people to think that you're good. You want people to think that you're great. You want people to think that you're generous. You want people to think that you are the stuff and nothing else matters. He's got it together. He loves God. He's this. He's that. But hypocrisy is the greatest enemy to our hearts. Our sinful hearts don't want to exist for God alone. That's what God saved us from, isn't it? We were, we were just deep in our own selfishness. We were deep in our, in our own sin. And God ripped us from that and brought us into a life that exalts and worships Him. But our natural tendency is to come back and to exalt ourselves. We don't want to be humble. We want to be prideful. 
But that's the exact opposite of who God is. Right? Our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, what did He do? He humbled Himself and became like a servant. But that's not what we want to do. We want to be the ones being served. And we want to be self-serving. And so Jesus is warning them. He's saying, beware, 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 beware. Watch out, there's a hole, there's a giant hole. And it's dangerous, it's destructive, it can kill you. Watch out. And so what does the Bible say about hypocrisy? Well, take a look at Mark chapter 7, verse 6. And you can write this down in your notes. God hates hypocrisy. God hates hypocrisy. Mark chapter 7, verse 6 and 7, it says this. And he said to them, Well did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites, as it is written, This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. In vain do they worship me. Look, you can be saying all the right things. You could be saying all the things that God Himself would say. You could be doing the things that God would do. I mean, He's rebuking here the Pharisees who were good givers in the synagogues and in the streets. They gave to the needy. But He's saying, no, no, no. It's not about what they're doing with their hands. It's not about what they're saying with their mouths. It's about the motive and the intent of their heart. Because if the motive and the intent of your heart is anything less than the glory of God, and if it has anything to do with exalting you, it's hypocrisy. It's hypocrisy. It's not true religion. And God hates it. Hypocrisy is a direct insult to the gospel itself, right? Because the gospel says, you're not good enough. But I'm going to give you the righteousness of Christ so you can be made good enough. The gospel says you are needy and poor and I'm going to give you what you need so that you can be with me forever. The gospel says you have nothing. Let me give you everything. And we say in response, Lord, I have nothing. Lord, I am nothing. Lord, I am sinful. God, take me. God, forgive me. Change me. And he makes us new, right? That's the gospel. But hypocrisy says, no, 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 no. I can handle this. I could do this. I got this. Look at me. I could do this well. I can do this strong. I can do this in a way that you wouldn't even believe. Look at me. Look at me. Look at me. Look at me. Hypocrisy. And God hates it. So don't give to be seen. So in this context of giving, don't give in a way that you're just trying to make people look at you and see you. Because that's hypocrisy. And finally this, you can write this in your notes, God does not reward hypocrisy. God does not reward hypocrisy. Now there is a reward for being a hypocrite. There is a reward for, for going in and... Uh, uh, giving in a way that, that's going to be applauded for you. There is a reward, but what is that reward? It's something that is temporal and lasts just for a moment. As Jesus says in verse 1, he says, in order to be seen by them, for then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. And he says again in verse 2, he says, don't sound the trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. And truly I say to you, they have received their reward in full. 
That's it. That's it. When you give in order to be seen by others, when you give so that you can be looked at as generous and kind and good, that's what you get for a little bit, and then it's gone. It's gone. Your Father in heaven will not reward it. Why? Because He hates it. It's appalling to Him. It's disgusting to Him. He would rather you not give than you give for this. You see that? But this is a constant fight for us. I don't know we all fight like this. What is this? Why did I do this? This is a constant fight for us. We're trying to fight against the pride in our hearts and God is constantly trying to beat down that pride in our hearts. But we always want people to look at us. We always want to be playing our trumpets. And that's what Jesus says here. He says, he says, don't be like the hypocrites who sound the trumpet before them. I got a trumpet player here. Greg, where are you at? There's Greg. Let's hear for Greg over here. There he is, Greg Miller. Greg, give us a good trumpet blast, brother. Mm, we all know Greg's here now, don't we? He has announced his presence, Gregory Miller. Yeah, that's what the trumpet does, right? The trumpet makes it known that the person is here. And, and Jesus, he's, he's the king of hyperbole. He's the king of great imagery. And so what he's saying is, is, is he's, he's saying that, that the way that the hypocrites would give, the way the Pharisees would give, is that they would do it in such a way that everybody would know that they're doing it. And it was so blatant and so obvious that it was like a trumpet blasting. And they were saying, hey, look at me. Look at this. Here, I'm going to give my check. I'm going to write this money out. I'm going to give this money. I'm going to give to the poor. Look at me. Look at me. I'm so generous. I'm great. Is that obnoxious? Yeah. Thanks, Greg. Appreciate it, brother. And that's what he's saying. He's saying you're, 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 all you want is for people to look at you. All you want is for people to say, wow, that guy plays a good trumpet, right? He's so generous. He's so kind. But we want to avoid that because Jesus says to beware of it and it's destructive and it will kill you. And so we put together a top five list for you because we all love lists, don't we? We're a list culture. Um, And uh, we put together a top five list, top five ways to know whether or not you are a trumpet player. Because here's what Jesus is doing. He's trying to poke at your heart, right? He's trying to get in there. Say, I, I, I know that you have compassion for other people. I, I, I know that you like to give to other people. I know that it feels good, but, but just beware. Don't do it for all the, the sake of others. Do it for the sake of the Lord. And so he's trying to poke around in there and see what you got. And so we put together this list for you to see if we can help poke around a little bit in there to see uh, if, if you are sounding your own trumpet. So that's the question. Are you a trumpet player? Five ways to know that you are a trumpet player. Number one, you are hurt when your giving is not acknowledged. You are hurt when your giving is not acknowledged. Oh, man. I can't believe that they didn't even say thank you. I can't believe that he just took my money and then walked around to the next car. I can't believe that they didn't... Right? Fill in the blanks. I can't believe it. I can't... They're so, I can't, they're so selfish. Oh, really? They are? Okay, cool. So when, when, when you just feel that tinge of pain, when you're hurt, when your giving is not acknowledged, it's pointing at your heart. 
you're caring more for that thank you, caring more for that acknowledgement than you're caring for the actual gift and the receiver of that gift, right? So number two, you go out of your way to make sure that your giving is known. You go out of your way to make sure that your giving is known. Now, I mean, uh, like like we said, Jesus was speaking in hyperbole here, so it wasn't necessarily that they had their own like personal mariachi bands following them around and blasting trumpets when they gave, but he was just saying, don't make a big deal of it. Don't announce your presence. Don't say that you're here, all right? And and so some people might have had like a little trumpet. Some people might have had a big trumpet, like a big trombone or whatever. Uh, but he's saying just don't, don't have a trumpet. Don't go out of your way to make sure that your giving is known. And in our culture, we don't necessarily like have big trumpets, but we like to do the humble brag, don't we? The humble brag. That, that, that's what we like to do, right? You know, maybe, maybe earlier in the day we, we gave something to somebody or did something for someone and, and we're at a party later on and we're talking to them about, or just talking about life, whatever. And the whole time you're thinking, how can I tell them about what I did? How can I, how can I, how can I? Oh, hey, can you pray for Sarah? Who's Sarah? Oh, she's the widow that lives next door. I bought her groceries today. Can you pray for her? Yeah, right. You're really asking for prayer? Come on. Yeah, you didn't have to include the whole I, I bought groceries for her bit. But right, we like the humble brag, don't we? I mean, I think we're all guilty of it. We like to subtly bring up how we did something good, subtly bring up how we gave something to someone, subtly bring up how we fed the needy or, or you know, hey, look at these pictures from that one time on Christmas that I went down to the homeless shelter. I never did it again, but I did it that one time, right? You know, those subtle ways to brag about it. So the humble brag, you go out of your way to make sure that your giving is known. So a third way, uh, top five ways to know that you're a trumpet player. Number three is this, you enjoy the influence and the power that your giving buys. You enjoy the influence and the power that your giving buys. Again, this isn't giving, you're purchasing right? All of this, you're purchasing fame, you're purchasing power, you're purchasing prestige. You're not giving, you're buying. And so you, you enjoy the influence and the power that you're giving buys. There's certain expectations that big givers have when it comes to money in the church, money in organizations, right? You know, uh, you, 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 you give a certain amount and, and you just wonder why we're not doing things the way that you want them done at church. Why does Brandon have to preach again? I just, I, I gave like $50,000 so I never have to hear that guy preach again. Why is he still preaching, right? Well, it's not, it's not your call, okay? You give so that the mission goes forward, right? Give so that the mission goes forward. And, and you should not be expecting to have power and influence just because you gave a good amount, right? And whenever I think of this, I always think of, of those plaques at the hospitals, right? $50,000, the Platinum Club, right? And you got like all these names that have 14 different initials before them and after them. Oh, they must have all the clout. And then you have the $10,000 Club, the gold club right and you know not so many initials and you still got your name engraved up there and then it gets down and down and down in the wood hay and stubble club ten dollars 
Yes. And like names are misspelled and, and uh, you know, it's just you're, you're lucky you're up there, whatever. But, you know, you just you see those plaques and it's like, yeah, these guys got the power. But you shouldn't give for the fact that your money should have power to it. You give because you love. You give because you're compassionate. You give because God wants you to give, not because you want that power. You want that clout. And even goes into smaller things, you know? I mean, if you give to a needy college student, it doesn't mean that they're going to be the first ones coming to your door telling you all their college stories, right? You didn't purchase a new best friend, right? You, you, you gave so that they can go and live their life, not so that you can uh, uh, go and enjoy all the stories. But there's so many ways that, that you can have your influence and your power uh, supposedly bought by your giving. Don't worry about that. Don't worry about that. Okay, uh, top five ways to know you're a trumpet player. Number four, you get the glory and God gets none. You get the glory and God gets none. Instead of, God was generous to me because I was in need and and you're in need and so I'm going to be generous to you. Instead of that, it's, I got, I'm really cool. I'm really kind. I'm really generous. Look at how well I'm giving. And God gets none of the glory. He gets zero, zip, nada, zilch. But you get it all. And so as a glory hound, you're just chasing after a good reputation. You're chasing after a good name. You're chasing after fame. You're chasing after people looking at you as generous. Uh, But your motive ought not to be to make yourself look generous, but to make the Lord look generous. And finally, the fifth way to know that you're a trumpet player is this, is that you give with the intent to receive. You give with the intent to receive. All of this, again, is pointing back to you. Me, 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 me. I'm going to give so that I'm famous. I'm going to give so that you like me. I'm going to give so I got clout. I'm going to give so that I got power. I'm going to give so that I get, I get, I get, I get, right? And you're just buying. You're buying. You give so you can feel good. You give so you can look good. You, You give so you can seem good. When the pleasure of God is anything but first in your heart, you're giving to the needy in a way that you are blowing the trumpet. So those are the top five ways to know that you're a, you're a trumpet player. And I hope that those just kind of squeak around in your heart a little bit and poke and prod and make you think about the way that you're giving. All right, so we get it. So Jesus wants us to give, but he, doesn't, but, but he gives us a stern warning that we can't give as the hypocrites give. Okay, so if that's the negative, then what's the positive? How are we supposed to give? Well, here it is. Jot this down in your notes. We ought to give to please the Lord alone. We ought to give to please the Lord alone. So everything that was pointed to so far has been me-centered, pride-centered, gospel-opposed, completely contrary to everything that God is. And listen to the words of Christ, verse 3. But when you give to the needy, again, assuming that you're doing this, when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. So how do we give to please the Lord alone? Well, first of all, Jesus is telling us to give in secret. Jesus is telling us to give in secret. Again, Jesus' imagery is wonderful, isn't it? He's saying, we're saying what? Don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, right? Don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. So is he saying that like when you go over to the Salvation Army pot, you ought to like, 
you know, put your one hand in your pocket and your other hand's going to like give into the, into the pot. Oh, you didn't see that, did you? Didn't see? Okay, good, good, good. No, he's not, he's not telling you to write like, like one-handed checks, you know, and fumble around, get out your checkbook and try to write it, right? He's, that's not what he's telling you to do. No, he's, he, but what he's saying is it's the intention, remember, the intention, the motive of the heart, the motive of the heart. Don't just, don't do this in a way that, that is so blatantly public so that you get the, get the glory and you get the praise. Do it in secret. Do it in a way that God is going to be pleased and that, that the other, the person that you are giving to will be loved and that God will be loved and that you're not getting any of the honor. You're not getting any of the glory. You don't care if they say thank you. You don't care if they ever talk to you again. But you're giving because God has given to you. And you're giving in secret. Listen to this. Proverbs chapter 20, verse 6. I want to read this to you. Proverbs chapter 20, verse 6. Here's what it says. It says, Many a man proclaims his own steadfast love, but a faithful man who can find. Many a man proclaims his own steadfast love, but a faithful man who can find. It's easy to tell everybody what you're doing. It's easy to tell everybody how much you're given. It's easy to bring the glory to you. Everybody does it. Everybody does it. But a faithful man, one who gives true, one who gives according to the heart of God, who can find? They're rare. They're rare. And what Jesus is saying to you, don't be like that common man. Don't be like the typical person who gives so that their heart is satisfied. Give so that God is satisfied. Give faithfully. Give generously because God gave to you. So don't announce it. Don't make a big deal of it. Don't make a show of it. Simply give without any desire of being seen. Secondly, this. Give to please the Lord alone. Why? How, rather, give out of a heart of love for God and for the needy. Give out of a heart of love for God and for the needy. Anything done in secret, by definition, is done in a way that cannot be seen by anybody else. Okay? Now, I, I, I want to be clear on this. Uh, Jesus says just, you know, 50 verses earlier, in Matthew chapter 5, verse 16, he says, in the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Okay, so, so Jesus just taught a little while ago, hey, let people see your good works. But why? Why? The purpose is so that God is glorified and God is exalted, so that they can see your good works and they can glorify your Father who is in heaven. And, and when we do good works, when we give out of a heart of love for God and a heart of love for people, that's precisely what we're doing. And there's a picture here. I, I want you guys to, to, to hear this and to see this. Verse 4, So that your giving may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. There's this sweet, intimate relationship between a father and a son or a daughter who's living strictly and solely for the pleasure of their father. 
strictly and solely for the, uh, for the glory of the Father. And, and, and as, as you live, just, think, think, just put yourself in that moment where you see a need and it's you and it's that needy person and it's the Lord. And you give sacrificially, maybe even to the point that it hurts, beyond the point that it hurts. And you do it with a happy heart because you are doing this in secret for the Lord. And the Lord sees it and the Lord loves it. He loves it. It's so the opposite of hypocrisy where you're doing this, you know, this clown show so that people see what you're doing. There's this intimate moment. Say, Lord, I love you. And I love this person because you love me. And I'm living as you've called me to live so that you're honored and that you're glorified. And think about those sweet secret moments between you and the father and the needy. A shovel driveway for a widow. A hot cup of coffee for a homeless man. An anonymous gift to that Harvest Bible Fellowship, the, the Christmas uh, uh, Gives Fund, uh, that, that, that funds a pastor's salary for a year. A gift card for gro- groceries left with a note that says, Jesus loves you, in the mailbox of a, of a single mom. Each of these moments and countless others done with a heart of love and a heart of compassion and a heart of wanting to honor the Lord is done so sweetly and so intimately and honors the Lord so much. And he's pleased. And it says, it says that it's done before a father who sees in secret. He's with you. He's with you. And it's not he sees in secret as in like, you know, Santa Claus making the naughty nice list. No, he sees in secret. He's there. There's a relational aspect here. And you're living with him. You're living, you're living before him and for him. And the Lord has in mind here that we are single-minded God-pleasers. We're single-minded God-pleasers. God, this is for you. This is an offering for you. This is a sacrifice for you. This is out of love for you. I don't care if they ever recognize me. I don't care if they ever say anything about me. I want them to talk about you. If everyone in the world hears about it and they never hear of my name, great. If no one in the world ever hears about it and you're honored just by that one person that was served, great. Praise the Lord. I want my name to be the last name that's heard. God's name ought to be the first and only name that's heard as we serve him and as we give to the needy. So finally this, we give to please the Lord alone. And it's done in secret because uh, God rewards secret giving. God rewards secret giving. (laughs) Pastor Ryan preached on this last week uh, when he talked about the words in Matthew 6 uh, where he talks about storing up treasures in heaven. So if you want to hear a little bit about rewards, you can go back to last week's sermon uh, on on the website. So I I don't want to belabor that point this morning. But in the context that we're talking about here, I want you to see the difference of rewards that Jesus gives. It's a huge difference. A huge difference. The one that we talked about before, just the simple, great job, bucko, right? And it fades off. And that's all you get. And Jesus says, when we practice our righteousness before others, when we give by blowing our trumpet so that, so that uh, we might be praised by others, truly, they've already received their reward. And you just hear the contempt in his voice when he says this. They've already received their reward. 
doesn't matter. God hates it. God doesn't care about it. Is that what you want to pursue? Or do you want to pursue the pleasure of God? And do you want to be rewarded by the Lord? And, and, and truly, what's better? The temporal moment of the, of the applause or the eternal rewards that the Father has for you in heaven? That on judgment day, when we're uh, counted righteous because of the blood of Christ, the things that we've done are going to be rewarded or they're going to be burned away, right? And wouldn't you much rather that moment of the pleasure of God rather than the pleasure of sinful, twisted, wicked man? That's the difference. The pleasure of the loving Father or the pleasure of man. It's a clear answer to me. So don't forfeit the rewards that the Father has in store for you. Give in secret, give faithfully for His honor and for His glory alone. So as we think again um, about, uh, about the opportunities that we have before us this holiday season, this Christmas season, remember that giving is something that's intentional and planned, but giving is also something that's spontaneous and sporadic. Uh, so as you, as you go from here today, give in a way that honors the Lord and the Lord alone. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for this morning. We thank you, God, for your word. We thank you, Lord, that you have um, saved us by your grace. Lord, that you have given us the gift of your son, Jesus Christ, that you were generous to us. And Lord, I pray that we in turn could be generous to others. I thank you, God, for your love for the needy, for your love for us. And Father, I pray that we would reflect your heart as we give to those in need both this December and throughout the whole year of 2014. May our hearts be more generous than they ever have been before in response to your love. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.